0: we're here from bringing up book lovers i'm phyllis wheeler
1: and i'm sarah boble homeschooling mom and today we are going to talk about words on fire by jennifer nielsen um so the main character of this book is a girl named audra and she and her family live in lithuania which is occupied by um russia at the time and um kind of like a lot of countries that are trying to take over another country, Russia is basically trying to wipe out everything that makes Lithuania unique, including its language. And Audra's parents, although she doesn't know this, um, they are book smugglers. So they're essentially, um, trying to keep the Lithuanian language alive and therefore keep Lithuanian culture and the country itself alive. Like they're like a resistance movement. So, um, yeah, so in the book, uh, Audra kind of ends up by herself and she learns of what her parents were doing and becomes a book smuggler herself. And uh, yeah, so she has lots of adventures. And it's it's not like fantasy fairy tale adventures. It is like real life kind of, uh, I wouldn't think it's scary for a reader, but you know, if you if you picture the people who are actually doing this, this is a historical fiction novel, then, um, yeah, they came across real dangers and, um, real threats. So from that perspective, it's, it's a really interesting read. It's a very fast paced book. I thought.
0: Right. The stakes are high. There were people who died and Mm -hmm. there are people who are sent to Siberia. You know, it was like, it wasn't a little slap in the hand if you, um, if you messed up or if you got caught. I, I, I I did want to point out that this is, uh, not, the Cold War, which you might think it is uh, during Tsarist Russia, Russia, the time frame is uh, 1893 Mm -hmm. or so. So Russia has been on the war path for a long time. (laughs) So tell me, uh, do you think it passes the good story test, Sarah?
1: Absolutely. Um, It is, it's very exciting. And um the main character and her friend that she meets and you know the kind of the resistance movement there's just a lot of interesting people involved in it that you get to know about um including the main Russian soldier who's who's uh trying to find um you know the main the roots of the book smugglers um, there's an interesting twist with him close to the end of the book so there's just a lot of exciting um yeah she's She's constantly learning about book smuggling in general and different ways to do it. So um, I feel like it's just a new world for kids and it's not a fantasy world. It's like a world that really existed and adventures that really happened probably at some point you know, in history over a hundred years ago. So yeah, I thought it was exciting to read, captivating, learned a lot as well.
0: So what are the themes that you found?
1: Um, well, you know, it was interesting because I had just finished reading, um, when my name was Kyoko, which was by Linda Sue Park about when Japan was occupying South Korea and a similar thing was happening, um, where the occupying country was trying to wipe out the language as a way to, you know, wipe out the culture and the country itself. So, um, there are similar themes in my mind of, um, you know, perseverance for one thing, not just of the individuals, but this is, a movement that spanned generations, like the Lithuanians had to do this, you know, some people gave up their lives, like you said, for this work. So it wasn't something that just, you know, they did for a few years, and all of a sudden, everything was, was, you know, fixed, it was something that took a long time. Um, Bravery, for sure. Audra, she had definitely um, hesitation about joining the book smuggling. And, didn't know that that's what her parents had been doing. So she was really caught off guard when she, you know, found out what it all was and what it was for. She didn't even really know how to read um, when she first kind of came across this group of people.
0: Um, At age 12, right? She was a 12 year old. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And also I think friendship was a big part as well. She, her, her friend Lucas that she, Um, gets to know through book smuggling and a couple of the other characters, just their loyalty to one another, um, was something that I really thought came across a lot in the book that I enjoyed reading as well.
0: Do you think the book captured what it feels like to be the main character?
1: Yeah, I thought the author did a really good job with that. Um, Not just the fear, but even kind of the physical things that she was going through, I thought came across were were well described because um, there's definitely like cold and hunger and sleeplessness and discomfort and um,
0: right. And she it, had to cross a river like holding onto a barrel.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. The, like a cold win- river <laughs> in the winter. Yeah. Or at
0: least near the winter. Oh. Yeah. So i I mean, I
1: thought I thought the author did a really good job of describing those scenes and making me feel like. I could
0: almost feel it myself. Yeah. I, I, uh, early on in the book, when she's just discovering about the book smuggling, she's offered a choice, like, if you'll turn these book smugglers in, we'll let you have your parents back. Mm-hmm. And boy, does she struggle with that one. Because she, you know, she hasn't uh, really made friends with the book smugglers yet. To her, they're just some weird people. And she wants her parents back. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting uh, moral dilemma that um, I, I think it really makes gives depth to the book.
1: Yeah, and she really struggled with it too, which was good because that's what most people would do. You know, it's not like most people in real life don't just make the right make the you know right decision or the moral decision or the decision that's going to make the story move forward right away. um, there was there are outside factors that finally ultimately tipped her one way. And I was glad that she wrote it that way. Yeah. Seemed more realistic.
0: Yeah. I think I thought so too. Yeah, you don't want a main character who always makes the right choice immediately. You know, that's just not real. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And to us it's the right choice because we know how it ends historically, but at the time. She doesn't know what the right choice is, you know. Um, I mean, she knows that she doesn't like the Russians there, but since she didn't know anything about book smuggling or kind of how Russia was trying to wipe Lithuania out, she really didn't know what the, you know, the historical right choice is. She wanted to do what was right for her, which was to be with her parents because she's a young girl. So,
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. So memorable scenes.
1: Uh, well the one you described i thought was very memorable the um the crossing the river the cold river um, was lay- one that
0: holding onto a barrel of books
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i th- i thought in general a lot of the book smuggling scenes were probably the ones that i remember most vividly because you were described so well there was one where she was um made made up as as a corpse and um she was supposed to be like she and her friend who were smuggling a wagon load of books were pretending to be delivering a body a corpse for a funeral and she was the corpse and um, that I thought was a memorable scene not just because of the way she was described but the fallout that happened along the way as well yeah how about you
0: well i uh one element we haven't really mentioned is that her father was a magician mm-hmm. this is a sleight of hand uh, not you know not real magic but kind of magic of uh, illusionist right and he had taught her all this stuff and so she used those principles in her book smuggling and the main principle is distract you know like if you're um, pretending to uh, you know make a coin vanish and then you pull it out behind somebody's ear what what you're basically doing is keeping the person's attention on one hand while you're doing something with your other hand Mm -hmm. so uh, she, she would uh, just really be really bold in these book smuggling expeditions by, you know, throwing firecrackers and I don't know what all did. Just uh, not not sneaking around in the margins, but uh, making a bold disturbance and then uh, quickly scuttling through the area with, while they're looking at the disturbance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that was Oh, that was very memorable. I never yeah. read a book like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, she definitely was very bold and brave, um, and that grew. She grew into that right throughout the book. She yeah. Beginning like, in the beginning, when she was learning, she was supposed to like take a piece of bread or something someone had baked and like see if she could hide it in her skirt from one house to the next. And that was kind of the limits of her, you know, ability to be sneaky. So she definitely.
0: yeah and she was so timid at the beginning too right her parents had kind of brought her up to be timid i guess because they they lived in on a farm outside of a village and they never went into the village they were uh afraid of the of this soul the czar's soldiers and whatever so she was just used to being isolated Mm -hmm. and that produces a timid person really i guess yeah so she was fighting uh Finding that upbringing. That was pretty cool.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So overall likes and dislikes?
1: I don't think I disliked anything in the book. I thought it was exciting. I thought it was a great read. I thought I loved the story. I didn't know. This is the only book that I know <laughs> that's about Lithuania. Um, I had to like look at a map to to remember where, what part of, you know, Europe it was in. So, I mean, I learned a lot. In general, if, if that happens, I really like the book, but it was also super well-written and the descriptions were really good. Um, the characters were really vivid. The, the, the bad guys, too. The main bad guy was also um, very, very well depicted, I thought.
0: Right, he was um, a conflicted sort, we eventually found out. It was very yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah,
1: it was a good twist. But, um, and I, I like you know, you kind of expect there to be plot twists in a book that's, you know, as as long as this one is, but um, there's a lot of like making mistakes and learning along the way, making mistakes and, um, you know, paying for them and then still getting a second chance somehow, which I like, I like that in a story, so,
0: yeah. Yeah, nothing potentially controversial for homeschoolers really, right?
1: I didn't think so I mean unless there's a you know if if kids are like afraid like you know I I don't really know how to describe
0: it but there's it does have a higher level of suspense than some stories
1: yeah that's a good way to say it yeah yeah
0: so if you're if your kid's really nervous
1: yeah
0: you might want to pass yeah yeah so um what questions would you ask your kid to engage the kid about this?
1: Um, I probably would ask, how has the main character changed throughout the story? Um, that's one thing that I think was a focus of the book. Like it was definitely about the historical events, but the book was about Audra, um, the girl.
0: Um, you know, I think it might be interesting to talk about other stories and books that uh, involve uh, the Russia and the time of the czars. For example, *Fiddler on the Roof*. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't think of another one right offhand, but uh, you know, what what else was going on in the world in 1893? What was going on in America in 1893? Mm-hmm. You no, know, that was. The Wild West, to some extent, I guess, or well, maybe a little bit after that, but yeah. the same re- general time region. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that would be an interesting discussion. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think I always just took it for granted that Lithuania was there. I just had no idea that it was so close to not being there. And the people who kept it going were these, you know, smugglers. Who worked for right. decades to make sure their language stayed alive?
2: And
0: you know, I think Lithuania has perennially had this problem; still has it because Russia is their neighbor, and Russia is very aggressive. Right, it's still a problem. Yeah. So, how is it redemptive?
1: Well, for for Audra, I mean, you know, for. Throughout history, because we know what happens, they eventually, the country was eventually able to gain its independence.
0: So it has a satisfying ending.
1: It does. I thought I liked, I was glad the epilogue was there.
0: (laughs) Maybe it's about time for us to go looking for the author, Jennifer Nielsen.
1: Yes. We'll be back with her in a second. (laughs) Hello.
0: Hello. And, And this, folks, is Jennifer Nielsen, our author. So we are talking about Words on Fire, your book.
1: (laughs) Okay, Um, I guess the first question is, like, where did you get the idea to write about this period of history? How did you, how did you come upon that?
2: Yeah, um, there's this awesome website called Atlas Obscura, that um, their focus is on just strange or interesting or relatively unknown places throughout the world. And I love this website and so much that every day they send a digest and uh, of just different places. So at this particular day, I was uh, getting ready to send my editor a new batch of ideas for the next historical novel. And I always send her like four or five so that we can really discuss and choose from among them, and I was literally ready to hit send on the ideas and in comes this email from Atlas Obscura. And right at the top of it, it said, um, the Lithuanian book smugglers. And I was like, wait, (laughs) what? I love history, but I don't know any Lithuanian history and I love books, but I didn't know there was the time that we had to smuggle them and every single thing. So I immediately clicked it on the article and started reading and every bit of it just clicked off uh, these ideas in my mind. And so I quickly um, ditched that email to my editor and I said, there is only one historical novel I want to write next. It has to be. About the Lithuanian book smugglers.
1: Wow. So, um, can you tell us what your research looked like after that? Because I was telling Phyllis, I just have always taken for granted that Lithuania was there, because you know, there's there's just not not much for me to know about it until I read your book. So I don't, I couldn't even imagine where you would have gotten, um, you know, the research for it. So What did that look like? Yeah, it
2: was actually really difficult. And and part of it, because of the nature of the work, those who were involved in book smuggling, they're hardly going to write down what they had done. And even after that, you know, they, they kind of had their first round of freedom uh, from uh, the Russian empire, they always knew there was a chance it would happen again, which of course it mm-hmm. did. So even throughout their lives, they never would write it down. Fortunately, um, I discovered this book, and it's just this relatively thin book called 40 Years of Darkness that did an amazing job really cataloging what had happened. And it's only available in libraries. And I live in this really small town. And so, with my really small town library, I am requesting um, a copy of this book. And I'm like, can you just find it somewhere in the world? And they did. Because librarians are awesome, and that book saved my research. I mean, I did a lot of others, but that book was central. Oh, cool. where did
0: it come from? It's home library.
2: Uh, it was a, a university library that, and I don't remember which university. I just remember they put it in my hands, and I wanted to hug them. <laughs> I think I did, did hug
1: them. Yeah. Um. So this is the first book of yours that I've read. And I noticed that you do, like you said, you love historical fiction, so you've written other historical fiction, but you also write fantasy as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so which, like, how do, you, how do you go about finding ideas for your fantasy books, I guess?
2: Um, you know, I mean, it's the same for any of the books. I suppose, you know, history, of course, is just things I discover along the way, but fantasy, um, or, or story ideas in general. It's, it's, I guess, when something catches my attention, for any reason that it catches my attention, I, I just immediately start asking questions about it. A lot of times for fantasy, it's song lyrics um, mm. that uh, I, I listen to the lyrics and I start imagining the, the story that, that might have fueled that, but, but not always. I mean, it can be a conversation, it can be just an image, it can be uh, really whatever strikes me. Um, it's not so much what comes at me, it's about learning to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And when you learn to ask questions, you find that story is everywhere.
0: I wanna know about the magic. Are you, do you know somebody who's a magician? Uh, I mean, this is a sleight oh, of hand musician. The
2: magic in the books uh no the um the okay the way it came from or where it came from i gotta show you um my son had been going through a phase where he loved flipping cards and uh you know just can you flip the card and just make it do all sorts of cool things and he had just been in this phase and so he and i i was just watching him do a lot with cards and uh and so he and I just got into exchanging card tricks and just doing all sorts of, you know, kind of fun with that enough that for my birthday, he gave me cards like he gave me this one. It's like these solid gold <laughs> cards. I mean, not actual gold. And these, which are awesome because they're, you know, both sides are just black. So you have to look very carefully to see what it is. And, uh, and so it really just came from this thing I enjoyed doing with my son.
0: Oh, I thought it was really special. I hadn't um, run into that in a book before. So, and it really fit into the plot so well, you know, the need to distract.
2: The, the need to distract, but also, you know, as, as she looks at her dad and, and sees her dad as, as having magic in its own way, and then this transference through the book where she realizes that, that it was never about tricks and gimmicks, that mm-hmm. the magic was always the book's. And, and that that just lights up my author heart, that idea. Oh,
1: I just um, wondering, you know, as a kid reads a historical novel and learns about this point in history that, you know, they've never read anything about before because they're not going to have access to that book, your book that you use for research. Um, I was just wondering, like, how historical some of, these, um, some of these scenes were, so.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, that's, I mean, certainly there's... Um, There would be any number of ways uh, that you could transfer a book. Um, I included some, you know, those are accurate ways. Um, But generally speaking, whenever I write history, I'm always keeping uh, accuracy as as a number one goal, because I understand Mm -hmm. and I recognize when a young person reads the book, they're going to pull the story out of it, but they're going to pull the facts out of it and remember it um, as if that happens. And so my research is always as thorough as I can possibly get it, um, mm-hmm. because I know how much that matters. Did, did well, you go to <laughs> COVID, COVID rather shut those plans down? Oh. Um, uh, so as things are starting to open up, um, definitely I, I want to get back there. It's such beautiful, beautiful country. Um, and so, yeah, I, I need to get there. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I mentioned, but we,
1: we do this mostly for homeschooling families. So historical fiction books are kind of like a a win-win for not just fun to read, but also they're on a lot of, you know, people's book lists will use like a spine for just kind of the details, uh, the facts about that period, but then want to flesh it out with a book like yours um, to talk about this era and about, you know, Russia and what it was like and colonization at that time and stuff like that. So even just the idea of stamping out a language as a way to get rid of a country in its entirety is, is a, it's an interesting concept. And it's one, I guess, a lot of countries have, have tried to do in the past as well. So we really yeah, appreciated no, that. I,
2: yeah, I, I, uh, I was fascinated uh, recently, um, the discovery of um, Minecraft about the uncensored library in Minecraft. Do you both know about this? No. Oh, This is like my coolest thing ever (laughs) that I've discovered. Um, It is an entire, like it was built by Minecraft designers, um, but it's available to anyone when you get into the game. You don't even have to download the game itself to have access to the library. But here's the great thing. That library is stocked with um, actual censored books, censored articles Ooh. that cannot be read in many countries legally around the world. And so here it is, uh, banned books, banned journalism in a children's game. And uh, and it is getting into the hands of people um, who are controlled by governments who think they have a lock down on information. Mm. It's simply a more modern way of book smuggling, wow. and they're doing it through a children's game. Wow. I know. It's literally the coolest thing ever. Definitely worth checking out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking of the Uyghur mus- Muslims in China who are getting uh, their culture erased, even as we speak, right?
2: Mm-hmm. The, the erasure of knowledge and information is is a constant threat. That's why books matter. That's why libraries matter. Is because we preserve information, we preserve stories, we preserve words and language everywhere we can, or we lose it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that is a, v- a vigilance for all of us to do. Is that we preserve what we have and what we know for the future.
0: Sounds great. <laughs> so tell me where you live
2: uh i am in northern utah oh and uh just i live kind of in the mountains um, of northern utah just a small town we have more cows and chickens than we do people and that's fine by most people here so it's just a great place to live oh
0: hmm. you you've always lived there
2: No, uh, I used to live, I mean, I've always lived in Utah, I used to live on the other side of the mountain, the Wasatch Front, Uh, we've kind of circled now to the back side of the mountains, and I wish I had discovered this place earlier. Um, I live in the kind of place where, I mean, we have, in our county, we have a grocery store, Um, we just got our second middle school, that's a very big deal, um, in the county. And, uh, and it's just a place where people measure you on who you are. They don't care about mm-hmm. anything other than, are you a good person? And that's how we get measured.
0: Sounds like a great place.
2: Come, come and visit <laughs> all of you. Everybody comes.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. We'll have a readathon. It'll be on the backyard. it'll be awesome.
0: <laughs> Yeah. Well, anything else? Sarah? Um, I don't think so. If
1: um, if you can't get to Utah to visit Jennifer, then definitely go to the library and get this book. Um, you will love the story. It moves fast. It's a great book. We loved it. Um, thank you for joining us and for answering our questions. Make sure you go get the book and read it yourself and give it to your kids to read as well. You'll love it and they'll love it.
2: So, uh, Thank you all very much. Thank you for having me and thanks to all of you at home who are Learning and teaching and reading and writing, keep it up.